Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Anyway, uh, welcome. We're in a six-week series, I think is what we're going to do, called Life Hacks. We walk through literally the book of Proverbs, looking at the ultimate life hack of wisdom and how God's wisdom applies to your life. And I promise you, it just changes everything for the better. If you would unlock God's wisdom in your life, I'm telling you, it's the ultimate life hack. And so if you're not here last week, go online, YouTube, uh, nbchurch.tv. I think you even grab a free CD. Does anybody listen to CDs still? Five of you? Oh, no, a bunch of you. Okay, good. You were a little, little scared. Because somebody said something about, like, who listens to CDs anymore? I'm like, I don't know. I do. Um, but uh, you can go grab a free disc in the back. And so, anyway, I'd encourage you to get caught up. Uh, this week, we kind of just moved forward. I talked to Pastor Aaron about this, uh, this, this sermon series. And he is, I need to tell you his story because his story is powerful. So indulge me here as I steal a little, a little bit of his time. Um, if you don't know, Pastor Aaron Grohalva used to work here at New Beginnings Church. So he's old school. How many of you remember Aaron from back in the Dizay? Yeah, yeah, old school people here because it was, it was several years ago now. And so um, Aaron left and, and moved out to St. Louis, Missouri, worked at a church there for the last several years. But incredible turn of events recently because he was set up to go launch and start his own church in San Antonio. So he moved to San Antonio and is there for a year building a team, building a network, putting all the resources in play, and literally just a few weeks before they're going to launch the church, he gets a call from his pastor back in St. Louis. Basically, the pastor had gone through some personal tragedy in his life and said, hey, I, I, um, I got to take some time off. I got to have a sabbatical here. You're the only guy that I know that can take over this church and help us bridge through this season. Are you willing to do that? And so he literally left his church launch to move back to St. Louis just to kind of save the day and rescue this church through a just a really ugly, difficult time. And so anyway, so he went back to St. Louis for four months, only to now be released. Everything's set to where he can now go back to San Antonio and relaunch his church. So he's going to go back and start rebuilding. And he's already called the teams and the people and everybody's kind of back on board. And he's set to launch this September. So this September, he's going to be launching Rise Church in San Antonio. So if you know anybody in San Antonio, give them a call, shoot them a text, give them an email, tell them to look up Rise Church and come hang out with Pastor Aaron. Even if it's just temporary, just, just go. And so anyway, but he's a dear, dear friend of mine. I've known him for almost 20 years apparently. And so um, uh, that's the joke. Aaron, Aaron loves me a lot. And so even though we've only known each other 14 years, it just every time you ask him how long we've known each other, it's, it's always more than the last time you asked him. Pastor, it's been like 20 years. We've been together, tried and true. So anyway, he's a dear friend. He's a great communicator, great Bible teacher. And so he's going to walk us through part two of our series called Life Hacks. Would you give a warm New Beginnings welcome to Pastor Aaron? All right. Well, man, I, uh, I'm happy because I watched the Golden State Warriors destroy the Houston Rockets yesterday, and if you don't care about sports, well, I'm sorry for you, but it was awesome yesterday, and so, uh, man, I'm excited to be here. Hey, look at your neighbor, tell him you look good today. Come on, like, look at your, hey, look at your other neighbor and tell him you look like you lost weight. Come on. Everybody likes to hear that, you know. 
Somebody came up to me the other day. They're like, man, you look like you lost weight. I'm like, I didn't, but thank you. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, man, I'm so glad to be here. Honored. I got to bring my wife this time. I come maybe once a year. And so Erica is here and I uh, brought her for the first time. That was awesome. Courtesy clap. Amazing. So, uh, she brought, brought her, and, uh, man, we're just excited to be in the Bay Area. Um, I always come in the summertime and get to see you guys, and uh, this is my home, my family. I love Pastor Todd and Tara Lee and all the kiddos and everybody that uh, that knows me. This is really a refreshing time, so we enjoy being here, and I'm excited to be here. Hey, let's get into life hacks today. Um, if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you're new to Christianity or the Bible, uh, it's broken up into the Old Testament, New Testament, so Acts is in the New Testament. It's right after what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, it gets into Acts. And so Acts is an amazing book because really it talks about really what happens after the life of Jesus. So Jesus comes and he does amazing things on this earth. And, and then Acts gets into really the first part of Acts is really the life of Peter, and they do some of what Peter's doing. And then it re- introduces us to this character named Saul. Now Saul was uh, kind of an interesting guy because he was the most um, pharisaical Pharisee, if you could say. He was the smartest guy who knew about everything about the Torah and, and the law, and so he was going going around and really persecuting all Jesus's followers. And then all of a sudden he has a moment and encounters God and he becomes himself a Christian. And then the back, basic back half of Acts is, is a lot of what Paul and what happens with Paul and, and his buddies and really just uh, his ministry on this earth. And so we pick it up in Acts chapter 16 uh, with Paul and Silas and, uh, and, 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 and we're in verse, uh, verse number 16 and it gets into a specific story And the reason I'm even talking to you about this is because it gets into a part where they do something inherently right, and then something bad happens. Now, if you've lived longer than five minutes in this world, that's probably happened to you. Now, you probably don't even have to think about it. You can probably go, I relate to this story already because I tried to do something right, and yet something wrong or something bad, or now I'm all of a sudden paying for the right thing, and something bad happened. And so we're going to look at that story in Acts chapter 16. And if you have your Bibles, uh, you can follow along with us at, at, in verse 16. If not, I'm just going to read it, and uh, we'll all be on the same page. And it says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had been who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by the fortune telling. So what it's saying is, is he met, they met this lady who was a fortune teller, and she was a slave. She was owned by masters who would make money because she could tell the fortune of other people. So she was making these guys Money And she followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So she's walking around. She's their hype man. They didn't ask her to be that, but she's walking around saying, these guys know the truth. And so this is what I think is funny. This is why I like the Bible. This is important. Listen to this part. He says, and this she kept doing for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed. Now, you all have had that moment, right? Where all of a sudden something good was like people were helping you and they were encouraging you. And all of a sudden, like, you're like, okay, that's enough. Y'all ever had that moment? Like, okay, that's enough. So that's what Paul does. Paul gets to greatly annoyed, turn and said to the spirit, you're done. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. Everybody say, come out. Yeah, he just, he, you know, he rebuked her. He said, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, again, that's a good thing. Okay. He helped this lady. He literally rebuked a demon out of her and helped her. So this is what you would think. They celebrate him, right? They should give him everything. They should pay him money. They should help him. This is what happens. Verse 9 says, but when her owner saw that their hope for gain was gone, so they realized now we lost our moneymaker. 
They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates or the rulers, the leaders, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. Now, what you don't know about this time is that at this part of the city, in this part of the area, um, Jews were being discriminated against. So they used that as like a way of saying, look, these guys, we got to get them out of here. And he says, these men are, uh, they, they said they are advocates, customs of not lawful for the Romans to accept or practice. And then it goes on to say, it says the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Now, this is the same language that they actually use when they describe Jesus as being beaten. Most scholars actually believe it was either at least the same type of beating that Jesus got, if not more. So this is, they, they got beat up. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison. That's important because you didn't put just anybody in the inner prison. You put the worst of the worst. You put the people you wanted to torture in the inner prison and fasten their feet in stalks. And then we wrap it up. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And he immediately... All of the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. An amazing story, really, of, of the moment when somebody does something right, something bad happens, and then they do something to get through it. Now, here's the difference between, I would say, Paul and Silas and us sometimes. We might go through the same experiences. Maybe you do something right. Maybe you raise your children the way that you think you need to raise them. And then they turn out to be crazy, Right? Or, or you do something in a business practice. Maybe you own a business. Maybe you're at work. And you are the one person with integrity, right? Y'all, y'all work against those, with those people who you know are messing with the system. Maybe they leave early. They always come late. You're always the one, the opposite of that. And they're the one who gets the promotion, right? Or maybe you're just someone who does, you just, you're, because you want to do the Christian thing and the right thing, and then you assume, like I assume, we're going to do the right thing, then the right thing will happen to us, and then it doesn't, and sometimes you and I get stuck in our own prisons, and we don't know how to get out of them. And so, what I wanted to talk about today is really with the series Life Hacks is, what do you do? We need a life hack to know what happens when something bad happens to you, not just something bad happens, but when you do the right thing and something bad happens to you, what do you do? What do you do? I remember when I first got married, um, it's cool to have my wife when I tell this story because she's right here. She knows. And so when I first got married, we, we went to, um, we didn't choose to go on a, uh, like a Caribbean beach. You know, we didn't, we didn't go to some, you know, go Hawaii or anything like that. We actually wanted to go to New York and, uh, we had never been to New York. How many of y'all ever been to New York? Y'all, y'all been to New York. And what I find interesting about New York is it's just so different. And we really wanted to go and be the tourists. We wanted to go to the, you know, to, to, to all the, the buildings and go see all the places and experience New York like a real New York. Is anybody from born and raised? in New York, if you're from New York, okay, what I've realized is that y'all, y'all have an interesting culture, like the Bay Area, is it, it's an interesting culture, every place you go is different, so we went and we experienced the food, you know, we had New York style pizza, right, we had some of that food, we went down to, you know, we went to the, uh, uh, the Yankee Stadium, this was the old Yankee Stadium at the time, I think it was like the last year it was open, so we went to the, you know, Brooklyn, and we were, we were in the area, and it was such a cool experience, we went down to, uh, we, we had like uh, uh, really cool to go to different pockets of uh, of the city, and uh, you know, the, 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 the Statue of Liberty, and all these great places, and so um, we did it for a few days, and then we asked our, uh, the lady in the, the hotel, we said, hey, what, 
what's the best way to get around New York? And she goes, well, you, you got to try the subway. You got to try the subway. It's, it's amazing because I almost got hit like seven times just walking on the sidewalk by cab, cabs, like seriously, and people. And I was nervous for my life. And so she goes, no, you need to try the subways. They're amazing. I said, okay, let's, let's go try the subway. So I told my wife, I said, hey, babe, listen, I don't really trust New York. So here's what I want you to do. We're going down into the subway. I said, hey, give me all your money. Don't take your wallet. Just don't take your purse. Just give me your money. Give me your phone. Just give me everything. I'll hold it, and I'm going to put it in my front pocket. I didn't have a fanny pack. I should have had a fanny pack, and, but I was going to put it in my front pocket. And so I, I put it in my pocket, and then I held it, and I said, you stick with me. Everything's going to be all right. Guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how we do it, right? We're just we're protectors. I'm going to protect you. Don't worry. You are good. So we get into the subway and uh, we, we walk on to the, to the subway train. Now, I don't know, again, if you've never been to New York, you don't know what I'm talking about because it is the most confusing set of numbers and colors and letters. And you're like, the L train goes to the I-15 with the blue and then you got to get off and get on. And, but I'm a guy. And so I don't let on that my new wife, I don't want her to know that I don't know where I'm going. I know always where I'm going. And so we're on the train and we're trying to go to, uh, to it was, we were going to the, uh, to the Brooklyn, to the, to the Yankee game. And so we're on the train and, and I'm looking up and I'm, I'm really good at, at what I call seeing where I'm going to go, you know, before we get there. And so I'm planning, I'm ready to go. And I see it. I'm like, man, this is the next stop. So I said, babe, this next stop, and she says this is wrong, but this is really what happened. So I'm like, babe, we're going to get off on this next stop, and if you just stick with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure we get where we need to get to. She goes, babe, and I'm, you know, because she still has, you know, the sparkle in her eye. I'm still her hero. We just got married. You know, we're on a honey. This is the honeymoon. And so she goes, no problem, babe. I trust you. And, you know, we kissed. It was a special moment on the subway with the homeless people and stuff. It was crazy. And so we're holding hands and, and I said, okay, this is where we go. Are you ready to go, babe? You ready to go? She goes, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And if you don't know anything about, again, about the subway system, when the doors close, that's it. There's no like, they open back up and hey, everybody can kind of come in. It's closed or open. And so the doors open and I'm like, all right, let's go. And I stand up and then I got that pit in my stomach where I go, this is not this is not the right place. So I kind of, I sat back down. She goes, are we sitting? Are we going? What are we doing? And I go, no, we're, we're going to stay. This is not the right thing. So I'm like looking at it. I'm trying to figure out and decipher the code of what's going on and where we're, like, this is the right train. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is the one. So I get up and I let my new bride go and I run off the train. And I just assumed because she's little, she can run with me. You know, she would just, you know, she was right behind me. And I turned around, like, just as I step off the train, I'm like, oh, we did it. And I turn around, and I'm not kidding you. This is literally what happened. The door slammed shut, and she put her hands on the window. And it goes. And she just, I mean, she was gone. Now, again, I had her money. I had her cell phone. I had everything. She was, and it was so sad. She was like, you know, no. And she was gone. My new bride, I lost, I lost her. And, uh, and so what I wound up doing was running to the next station. And what I didn't know is that they skipped stations. And it took 20 minutes for me to figure out where. So I finally lined up. And I just guessed by luck, y'all. Like, I guessed this would be the stop she might have gotten off on. And she was sitting next to this crazy looking guy that was like spazzing out, you know, right next to her. And she's just like, 
oh man, please don't let me talk to him. And I go walk up. She goes, why did you do that? I said, I thought what I was doing was right. I was doing the right thing. And I thought you were going to come with me. And she got mad and, you know, it was all bad. But it turned out to be a good thing because she never trusted me again to go anywhere. (laughs) I don't know why I told you that story. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, what's interesting is, is, is it's life sometimes, you know, you do what you think is right at the moment. And then like you're, before you know it, your wife's just moving away on a subway and you can't do nothing about it. You, you, you wish you, you things get out of control and, and life just really comes at you. And, and I mean, we make light of it, but it could hurt, you know? It could hurt. It could cause pain. It could cause frustration. It could even cause you to question Christianity at times. You, because you know, a lot of times, you know, and preachers, we're the worst at this. We, we, we sometimes sell a narrative that if you become a Christian, then all things will work out in your favor. And and it's not that you won't have a better life in God. That is true. That you will have a blessed life in God. But sometimes we forget that we live in a fallen, sinful world. And that sometimes you're going to do the right thing and then bad things will still happen. So we need to know as Christians, we need to know, we need to have a life hack. We need to have the ability to go, okay, when this happens, what do I do? So Proverbs, what I like about this series, we're going through the book of Proverbs. Again, Solomon, just a recap of what Pastor Todd uh, spoke about last week, which I watch him every week. Again, I think I've been around the country in recent, probably in the last eight or nine years. I've seen some really phenomenal speakers. He's still One of the top communicators in the country, y'all don't know that. I'm just telling you, be careful you don't get comfortable. Because I'm just telling you, he's he's amazing. So I watch him still during the week. But he mentioned last week this idea that Solomon was the richest and the wisest king that has ever lived. And he pens this great uh, book called Proverbs, which is really just a book of wisdom. And so in Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6, he says this amazing proverb that is your and ours life hack when bad things happen to you when they shouldn't have. Because some of us right now are stuck in our own prison like Paul and Silas. Okay? You're stuck. You're hurting. You're not doing well. Things didn't go right. You need to know how to get out of it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he says this. This is, this is great. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say heart. It's important. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now, that might be the most faint, one of the most famous Christian verses and all. Some people might even have this as a bumper sticker. Y'all seen this as like a, you know, people on Facebook, they post that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And you've heard that multiple times, yet we don't apply it. Or we think that's just something we say. And if you're a new Christian in here... This is not a series to say we're going to manipulate God's hand into something. It's just saying, look, sometimes when bad things happen, you're going to need to step outside of what's happening to you to see what God's wanting to get through you to get you to a new place in your life. Because you and I are not called to be left in our own prisons. That's not what God's called you to be. And some of us have settled. Haven't haven't we? Some of us have settled for this. Life is just, this is just who I am. This is just how things are. This is just where I come from. This is just a hand. Come on, you ever heard that before? This is the hand I was, I was dealt, right? And you think in your mind, this is just what God wants. No, you are not called to be in a prison. The Bible has called us to a higher level to break out of the prisons of our life. And this is how we're going to do it. So Proverbs chapter 3, how do you get the rest of my time? 
That was my intro. Y'all, that was it. That was my intro. We're going to get to the lunch place before the Baptist, though. I promise you. All right. Number one, how to get through your prison seasons. Number one, Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You need to look outside your feelings. The interesting thing about that statement is a lot of people take it and read that wrong. They say, well, trust in the Lord with your heart. You know, trust in, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. They read it as in trust in your heart. And then God, you know, with God. That's how we do, you know. And even the culture says that. You all seen a Disney movie recently, right? Like trust in your heart. The magic is inside of your heart. And when Tinkerbell comes down and she sprinkles you with fairy dust, your heart's going to leave. The magic inside your heart. And it's this weird kind of subculture in our life right now where they go, hey, if, you, if it feels good, do it. If it feels bad, that's probably not what you're supposed to be doing. And it, the Bible can be so completely more opposite. The Bible doesn't say trust the, your heart. It says trust the, trust the Lord your God with your heart. Why does he say that? Why, does, why would the wisest man in the world say don't trust your heart, trust God with your heart? It's because he knew that feelings are actually liars. Have you? I'll prove it to you. When's the last time you made a bad decision, right? So don't raise your hand. But when you made a bad decision, it probably was rooted. I'm just taking a guess. If you're anything like me, it was probably rooted in the fact that you trusted your feelings. Somebody hurt you, and therefore you made a decision to do something, and something happened. You were right. They were wrong. And you trusted how it made you feel, and then you did something, right? Not you. Another church, someone, you heard about it, and then it became something you regret. Why? Because feelings always make you, they manipulate the wisdom in your life. They make you follow how you feel, and nothing ever really good comes from following your feelings. I've noticed that most great leaders, most people who do, I think, amazing things for people and for the world, is they've had to walk through looking past their feelings to making a wise decision. So if you're in your prison right now, if you're in an issue right now where you're having some real major issues, maybe you're stuck with your finances, maybe you're stuck with your marriage, maybe you're stuck with your kids, maybe you're stuck with your, you know, your job or you're stuck with your, you know, you're at school right now, you're stuck in your, something's got you in prison and the temptation for all of us, hear me now, is to follow our feelings and try to manipulate and get out in our own hand. And Solomon is saying, trust God with those feelings. That feelings in and of themselves, they're great indicators. They're horrible navigators. They're okay to consider. Your feelings aren't evil. You consider your feelings. It's not that we say don't have feelings. It's just saying you don't make decisions with your feelings. Wise people choose wisdom. Wise people say, I'm going to actually look at what God wants to do with me. In this, maybe in this season of prison. I look at Paul and Silas and they're, they're in that prison. Could you imagine being in the place that was there after they did what was right? And everything I think inside of their feelings were to be, man, why don't we just give up? And if you're not careful, you can get stuck 
in a cycle of revisiting your feelings and justify. Isn't it interesting how you and I can justify things based just on our feelings? Like, no, they hurt me. And because they hurt me, I must respond this way. And the Bible is so clear. Trust God with your feelings. Number two is this. He goes on, Proverbs goes on to say, Proverbs 3 and 5, and lean not on your own understanding. He says, don't trust on your, don't, don't trust in understanding, don't, don't, don't lean in your understanding of how things are. Don't lean into your counsel, your personal counsel. Have you ever did that? You can convince yourself of anything. I can convince myself of just about anything or others' understanding of what's going on. The Hebrew word there for lean, lean not on your own understanding. Lean there is sha'an, and it means to prop up against. And what's interesting is that those who prop up their life against their own understanding tend to fall. They tend to like fall into these categories. They move, they shift, because here's what happens. Your and I, an understanding of things is very finite, and when we get to the end of ourselves, we freak out. Don't you and I do that? When you can't figure it out, what do you do? You and I just start going, oh, I don't know what's going to do. And you just pull up Google, right? And you try to figure out what's everybody else think about this situation. And you get to the end of yourself and others understand. You got to be careful that you're not leaning or propping up your life in the moment of your prison and going, hey, how do I, I I don't fully understand what's going on. So I'm going to have to lean and put, I got to figure this out. Be careful you don't trust, you're just trusting what you're saying. Be careful you don't trust other people's. There's, I think one of the biggest issues we have in Christianity is too many voices in our life. Like there's too many people speaking into your life. You got this person and you got that person and you got Google and you got the, t- the TV and you got movies and then you got your friends. And all of a sudden you have all these voices in your life and all of their understanding trying to speak into your prison moment. And it's actually keeping you there, not helping you get out. I remember I, we went on a road trip when I uh, it was a couple years ago. And we had just had our, uh, one of our babies. I have five boys, so we had our fourth baby. And, uh, yeah, thank you for your prayers. And so we had fourth boy, Judah, and he was a little baby. We were going on, like, a road trip. And I remember I got on the trip, and we're driving, and I got Siri on the thing, and it's Google. And I'm going right there, and I'm trying to get to where I'm coming up to his exit. And I don't know if I'm going to go over here. And my kids are in the back, and they're fighting. And then the little baby is screaming. And then my wife is, like, trying to ask me a question about food because if I don't feed her, bad things happen. And so she's, she's, but I'm still trying to figure out where to go. And I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, stop touching. Stop. Kids, please stop. Stop touching your brother. If you touch your brother one more, I promise you, you will be on a Greyhound bus back home. And so I'm like walking around trying to figure out how to get, I'm like, I need to just get to this one place. And what I found is, is that I had to just pull over and say, everybody stop. Just stop. Turn the phone off. Just Let's center Usa for a minute. I got to focus, get one voice. Let me just figure out where I'm going. And then I can deal with everything else. And that's lifelike with us sometimes, isn't it? It's that you and I will be in a situation and we I think sometimes narrow-mindedly think if I just get a ton of voices in my life, it'll actually bring me to freedom. The problem is, is that most of us can't compartmentalize those things. And so it actually becomes white noise and it confuses us more because one person is going to say, hey, you need to go do this. And then the other person will say the opposite. Have that ever happened to you? 
And the best thing that you can do is not lean on your understanding or other people's understanding or even logic or reason. Sometimes you need to get like a man of God or a woman of God in your life. Maybe it's sometimes you getting alone with God, singling out, ironing out exactly what you need to do, not putting a bunch of chorus of people and trying to say, because you'll notice this, that the more people you put in your life, the more it can confuse you. So be careful that we're not leaning on our own understanding. We're leaning on the understanding of God through his people. And the third one is this. Be a disciple in all parts of life. Proverbs 3, 6 says, and in all your ways, everybody say ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Ways there in the Hebrew is derek. It's, it's an interesting way, but he, he says all your ways, which really means parts of life. In all parts of life, acknowledge God. That if you're in your prison right now, some of the best things you can do in all aspects of life is truly just be a disciple of Jesus. It, you ever, uh, y'all remember the, this was kind of a cool thing back in the day, and maybe somebody, it, it's not so cool anymore, and if you still wear these, don't judge me, but um, it, it remember it was the, w, the the bracelets? Y'all remember the bracelets? What did the bracelets say? It was WWJD, and what it was, yeah, it was the, what would Jesus do? And it was designed To remind us that in every aspect of our life, when someone cuts you off, even though you might want to do something very sign language driven, that you might look back and go, would a disciple of Christ do that? Or or when someone offends you, something happens to you, you look at it and you go, what would, what would Jesus do in this moment, I found it interesting that really it's easy to be a Christian inside this place. Have you noticed that? Like when you're in here and you're sitting in here, you're like, oh, yeah, I love God. Well, you should love God. You're in the church. Right. Every, most people we're here because we're, we're we're here for God. But I've noticed it's, it's actually pretty hard when you walk out those doors, sometimes in the parking lot. Right. <laughs> Sometimes when you're driving in traffic, sometimes when you're at your job, sometimes when you're with your boss who keeps being the way you know is wrong. Come on. Right. And there's this thing inside of you where you're like, man, I would love to just give him the business right now and let him know exactly how I feel. And just get, I'm just tell, I would like to lay it out. And yet Paul and Silas in their prison, they do something interesting. They were in stocks in the innermost prison, in the place that hurt the most, for no reason. And the Bible says that they were singing and praising God. That their example, hear me, this is good. Don't miss this. Okay, if you checked out, you're daydreaming and you're on Facebook, just listen to this part, okay? If something bad happens to you and you're in your prison... Sometimes you being a true follower of God and in all your ways acknowledging him in such a way that the others that are in prisons around you recognize you're praising God, that you are a disciple, actually release the bonds that are keeping you in prison. If you're in your prison right now, which all of us are in some way, That it could be that the path to your freedom, the life hack to get you out of your prison is not woe is me, is not victim, 
is not saying I'm trusting my feelings, is not looking at logic and reason, because logic and reason for Paul and Silas was we're going to die like our other friends died. There's no way out of the inner prison cell of this prison. And yet they praised God. They were acknowledging they were being disciples in a place where they shouldn't have been disciples. Because it's easy to be disciples in a Christian church. It's harder to be a disciple at your job, at your business, at your school, with your family, when you're talking to your wife, when your wife's talking when you're talking to your husband. It's hard to be a disciple then. But when you step outside of yourself and you give God praise and you be a disciple, isn't it interesting that right after that, the bonds were broken? And it wasn't just broken for Paul and Silas. It was broken for others as well. Your freedom out of your prison I believe, is found in being a true follower of Jesus, even in your toughest moments. If God can reach us in those moments, I believe there's no prison that we'll be a part of. Doesn't mean there won't be prisons, okay? Let's clarify. Doesn't mean there won't be prisons. Doesn't mean there won't be bad things that'll happen. Doesn't mean that you won't have a moment where something shouldn't have, that Paul and Silas shouldn't be in prison. You might be in a prison right now you should not have been in. But God is good, and in those moments, if we step outside of our feelings, if we lean not on our own understanding, and in all our ways acknowledge him, right, if we get and become a disciple, then he will make your path straight. You won't have to make your path straight. You won't have to try to figure out a way to get out of your prison. The prison will be opened up simply because you were a true disciple in your toughest moment. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that your desire for us in our life is to be an overcomer, is to not be a victim of our own circumstance, but to be a victor. That we wouldn't resist, that we wouldn't rest in what's happened to us. To truly know that God, you are preparing us for what you have prepared for us. That you have dreams and visions for our life to be better than where we are right now. And so, if we're there's one person in here that is caught in a prison, if there's one person in here that is stuck in something that they should not be in, that honestly they did the right thing and the wrong thing happened. God, I pray right now they would use this book of wisdom, this two verses that they can apply to their life, that it's not just some uh, just some book that was written in history somewhere that means nothing to us. God, your word is alive and it's true. And when we apply it to our lives, all prisons in our life can be opened up. Bonds are broken. Freedom can happen. And I pray that we could truly apply this to our life. May we be disciples of you in every aspect, in our job, workplace, business, friendships, relationships, in our marriages, with our kids. That we could truly attain our future when it's applied right. And when you're a part of it. Lord, I thank you for scripture. I thank you that Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord 
with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Lord, I speak this verse, this scripture over this church today, over these people's lives today. May we never walk out of these doors and not acknowledge you, the goodness of who you are, even in the midst of our prison, so that we can truly have freedom in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Give God a hand clap of praise in this place. Come on, church. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.